Good evening, all. How are we all doing? Good. Excellent. Had a Josie Ann round yesterday, and uh, you, you were doing Alpha, weren't you? And you were on the Alpha weekend and uh, sharing some stories about uh, just what God was doing in, in, in people's lives. Uh, for those who don't know, the, the Alpha weekend concentrates on the person of the Holy Spirit, looking at his role and his function. I could have just lifted the talk from that, couldn't I, for tonight? Um, and, uh, but not only does it talk about it, it gives people an, an, opp- an opportunity to explore and to be filled with the Holy Spirit as well. And it's just amazing hearing some of the stories, really, for people encountering God's Spirit for the first time. In many ways, he is like the missing piece in people's Christian journey, that as they actually meet with him and encounter him, they, they enter into this whole new realm in terms of God being real, God being there, and uh, he is real. I don't think Josie Ann became a Christian, though, yesterday, so... Became a Christian again, it was that compelling, that's great. Um, do you know... What strikes me reading through the New Testament, and particularly Acts, is that uh, there's a bit in Acts 19, isn't there, where uh, there are some disciples who are found in Ephesus, and uh, they, they kind of come out with this statement uh, when Paul is explaining the way to them, and they kind of say, we never knew there was a Holy Spirit. And I think that's a real sad statement, and uh, I think there are quite a few Christians who probably echo something like that. In one sense, we, uh, we all know the Trinity, but are we all acquainted with every member of the Trinity? Have we all met with the Holy Spirit in a life-changing way? In the New Testament, as you read Acts, you see that being filled with the Holy Spirit is a normative part of the Christian experience, that at some point you, you believe in Jesus, you're baptized, and someone lays hands on you and prays for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And for me, encountering the Spirit was, was life-changing. Um, I went from a place where I kind of believed in God. I kind of you know, had a, a Roman Catholic background, uh, believed in Jesus, believed in God the Father, would pray occasionally. As I got into my teens, after a bit of a kind of uh, roundabout journey, a bit of a, a wild time, uh, I started to explore this more and started to pray more and to read the Bible. And what I would say is I believed in God, but God felt distant. But it wasn't until... Um, I was filled with the Holy Spirit that it was like a light switch went on. I would say it felt like the beginning of a definite relationship with God. When I prayed, there was this connection with God. And the work of the Spirit in our lives, I think, is so crucial in our Christian journey that the Holy Spirit, He isn't for an elect few. You know, all of us can encounter God for ourselves. All of us can be filled with the love of God. And it's a normative thing. And it's, and it's a good thing to want to crave, to want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to want to know the love of God. And uh, if you want to find out more about the Holy Spirit as well, there's also the School of the Spirit, uh, which is a monthly thing, so do check that out. But uh, tonight, as, as you know from the title and from the reading, we're looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. And it paints the scene of Jesus' famous last words, in a way, uh, to his disciples before his crucifixion and his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. And uh, what, what kind of strikes me is that Jesus leaves his ministry 
to his disciples to carry on. That's quite a scary thought, isn't it? If you kind of read the Gospels and see what some of them um, are like and some of the kind of quarrels and squabbles they have. But actually all of us, as we choose to follow Jesus, as we uh, embark on a journey to become disciples, Jesus' ministry is entrusted to, to us. You know, he leaves it to us to carry on his ministry. But the reassuring thing is, is that we're not left to our own devices. There's the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus says earlier on in, in John, I won't leave you as orphans, but I'll send a helper. That reassures me a, a little bit. So, what's, so having a look at the text... You know, what's Jesus saying? This uh, really seems, this really kind of, um, is one of those verses where you think, is that really the case? It says this, let me bring up the text. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Could you imagine being one of the disciples and kind of trying to get your head round Jesus telling you that he's off and it's actually for your benefit. Or even for us today, you know, when we look at the life of Jesus and the things he did, and, and we kind of think, well, the, the mission and ministry of Jesus is entrusted to us. Do we really think it's for our good, our benefit, that he's gone? It's interesting, isn't it? But he says it is. Actually, the word even means, um, sumfero, the Greek word behind good, that actually means it's, it's profitable, or it's even to our advantage that Jesus is, is going to the Father. Why? How, how is that the case? Well, what does he go on to say? He says, unless I go away, the advocate, referring to the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So it's to our advantage that Jesus goes because he sends an advocate. He sends the Holy Spirit. What's an advocate? Well, the Greek word behind this is uh, paraclete. And that literally means one who comes alongside us. So it's, it's courtroom language. He is someone who gives counsel, who gives guidance. What the Spirit does through us is he allows Jesus to be present all over the world in a way that Jesus could not be present in body. He multiplies the ministry of Jesus in a way. He empowers believers to do the works of Jesus. Not just some believers. He empowers all believers everywhere to to carry on the ministry of Jesus. He releases a variety of gifts to all of us. None of us have the whole shebang. We need each other in the body of Christ. The Spirit of God, through all of us, releases different gifts. It's like a tapestry. You know, the ministry of Jesus, the fullness of it, is only reflected corporately, together. I, by myself, cannot reflect the fullness of the ministry of Jesus that he embodied on the earth. But together, we can. Together, those gifts are represented. Those passions, those calls, those vocations... Those gifts, both natural and supernatural, only together can we carry on. With the aid of the Spirit, with that openness to the Spirit, allowing him to empower us, can we carry on the mission, the ministry of Jesus. So therefore, it's to our advantage that he goes, 
because Jesus is now able to, uh, to live through all of us. His ministry can carry on through all of us. And Jesus himself lives to intercede before the throne of grace for us. He's also an advocate on our side. That marks a huge change for the disciples. Imagine them trying to grasp this concept. And this is, in a, in a way, something we, we inherit. But what a, what a scary thought it must have been for them. So the Holy Spirit, he's at work testifying to Jesus. That's part of what he does. You know, he is, in fact, the real evangelist out in the world, revealing God through his people, through all of us, wherever we may be. Do you know, if you don't believe me that the Holy Spirit is, is, is key in evangelism, what does Jesus say to Peter when Peter makes his great revelation that you are the Christ? What does Jesus say? He says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the Spirit revealed it to you. And really it's the Spirit who's at work in people's lives and their hearts. And the mystery is, the amazing thing is, he can actually use our words. He can use our actions but it's actually a work of his. He is the real evangelist. So let's look a bit more closely at this evangelistic uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I can identify three basic functions. Looking at this, proclamation being one of them. Counseling and discipling. So to look at the first one, proclamation. You know, the ministry of the Spirit unleashes the power of God's kingdom. Jesus' central message was, was the kingdom of God, that God's rule and his reign is breaking into our world, that this new age, this new world is breaking in and it's renewing everything in this world. It's changing lives. It's liberating people from bondage of the enemy. And what the Spirit does, some call, refer to him as the, uh, to use a theological term, the eschatological Spirit. That kind of power, if you read Revelation 22, you know, the kingdom's fully here, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering. And what the Spirit does is he breaks into our present age and he starts to release that future age. And proclamation in the Word of God in the Bible doesn't just rest on our words. It's not just about what we say. But preaching and proclaiming God's goodness is about a demonstration as well. When Jesus spoke, people said, he teaches as one who has authority. What does Paul say? He says uh, that his preaching does not rest on wise and persuasive words. I bet he used those because he seemed like quite a bright bloke. Um, but it rests on a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And part of the Spirit's evangelistic ministry of proclaiming good news, that proclaiming that God is real, that there is, uh, there is the hope of a renewed creation, that all of us can be saved, we can be changed, is that he starts breaking through into our world, into our reality, and changing us. That happened to me when I was 16. God started to renew me on the inside. He started to change and transform me. I, I believe that's many of our experiences, isn't it? As, as God breaks through, as he brings healing to our interior, or he brings healing to our bodies, as he br- stirs up hope and faith within us, connecting us to our creator. As good news is shared, the Spirit of God confirms good news. It may be stirring up faith in someone, 
hope in someone. It may be signs that accompany it. You know, whether that's, whether that's healing. In my experience, the, the mo- one, seeing God work most powerfully is on the edge. It's when sharing him with people and stepping out. Or, you know, uh, Uganda, for example, some of the guys who went off. You know, just as we shared the gospel and we gave uh, God an opportunity to, to show up, he showed up and backed up his word as part of the ministry of the Spirit. What I find interesting as well, looking at church history, is during the first 300 years, the church grew rapidly. And uh, when it became established and leadership or the responsibility for mission and other things like praying for the sick were taking out the hands of the average Joe and uh, placed upon ordained leadership, the growth started to platter off. Miracles started to, to lessen, interestingly enough. And this work of proclaiming the gospel, actually, I think is for all of us. That actually, as we, as the ordinary people, try to step out for God in our conversations or uh, offer to pray for people, that actually, as we all play our part in that, we'll see God do great things. But when it's entrusted to a few people, then we're not going to see a great deal, I don't think. It's my two pence worth on that. So how do we respond to that as the Spirit, as, as, as proclaimer? Let's pray for opportunities. I love the Nike slogan, just do it. Pray for opportunities, and let's, let's just try and do it. Let's share our faith where we can in an appropriate way. Let's step out, be bold, offer to pray for people. It's the Spirit's work, and you never know what he's going to do as we just respond obediently. Another function of the Holy Spirit is that of counsellor. This is part of his evangelistic ministry. In other words, he applies his message personally to all hearers. What does it say in this text? It says, uh, the Spirit will prove um, the world to be wrong about sin. That literally means, that, that thing to prove, that it literally means that he will expose The Spirit exposes things that are hidden in people's lives. In other words, he puts his finger on sin that people have. They can't escape it. He exposes things actually in our lives as Christians, doesn't he? You know, there'll just be those times where we just know God is on our case about something. He will expose those things and let us know it's not, you know, I love you just as you are, but I love you too much to leave you as you are and to leave you doing this. That's part of his job. There's exposure in three areas. Sin, righteousness, and judgment, which we see in this passage. And, you know, interestingly enough, I think we live in an age where we try, people in general, try to determine for themselves what counts as sin. They try and determine their own standard by which they live by, their own standard of righteousness. We so often can try and justify ourselves and justify our actions, and, and, and we become judge. We decide where, you know, what, what is judgmental and what's not. You know, we can often be hypocritical at times in expressing judgment. In other words, it's like saying, I'll decide. What standard is acceptable? What standard is all right to live by? I'll decide what is sin and I'll be judged and I'll make it my own moral code. Do you know what? The Holy Spirit, he challenges 
that. He challenges that in unbelievers, and he'll do that to us as believers as well. In this passage, he'll do that in relationship to sin. The Spirit will expose guilt. What does it say here? Because men do not believe in me. You know, the biggest sin that the Spirit exposes is the sin of unbelief. The sin that we haven't believed in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. He convicts people to the reality of God. In relation to righteousness, as it says here, and Jesus says, because I'm going to the Father. Do you know, it's the death and the resurrection of Jesus which vindicates him as the righteous one of God and shows us our lack of righteousness because actually we needed Jesus to go to the cross for us. Righteousness being right relationship with God, right relationship with the world. Actually, when we look at the cross and we grasp what Jesus has done for us, we realize that we are not righteous, that he is the righteous one, that his death, resurrection, his ascension to the Father reveals that we need his righteousness. We need him to make us right with God. And finally, it's exposure about judgment as well. And he goes on to say, Jesus says, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Do you know, the Spirit testifies that on the cross... The one who was judged was Satan and those in rebellion with him. Satan was enthroned as the prince of this world when we rebelled against God. We gave up our place and we became subject to him. But the devil had no hold on Jesus. And on the cross, he was driven out from that place as prince of the world because of Jesus' perfect life and obedience He won a victory for us. And now the enemy stands condemned, anticipating his final judgment, his final driving out. The Spirit testifies to the world, to the reality of these three things. And I think when we pray for people to be saved, we should be praying along these lines, actually, that people become aware of their need for God, their need for his righteousness, their need to get right for him, that they would be convicted about not believing in Jesus. Do you know, there are historic revivals where this point is really stressed. The Hebridean revival, people flocked to police stations feeling guilty about stuff they were did. Just as a few old ladies prayed and an evangelist came to hold a meeting, the Spirit of God was just poured out in that area and men and women just flocked out into the streets under the weight of conviction that God was on their case kneeling down praying out for forgiveness of their sins that's a work of the Holy Spirit that is what I'm talking about illustrators the Spirit begins to move in people's lives he reveals do you know what you need me and when God convicts us he doesn't do that in a way to condemn us but at the same time he comes along and says this is how you can be saved this is what Jesus has done for you Yes, you've fallen short, but here is hope. Jesus has paid the price. Amen? So maybe we should pray, actually, that Jesus reveals himself to people in that way, that the Spirit convicts people and shows them their need to have a relationship with him. Finally, the the Spirit, part of his ministry, is that of a discipler. He's the spirit of truth, as it says in this passage. And uh, he, w- he will guide us into all truth. 
you know, this is partly fulfilled, isn't it, in, in, in the Spirit inspiring those who wrote Scripture. Peter says, uh, no prophecy of Scripture has its origins in the will of men, but each were carried along as the Spirit enabled them. It's the Holy Spirit that breathed into Scripture, that carried the writers along. So he led the apostles into truth. But not only did he bring about the, the writing of Scripture, actually, he is the one who helps us to interpret Scripture. He is the one that makes it alive. Has anyone ever had one of those experiences where you've been reading the Bible and it's like the words have just jumped off the page, they've just spoken into your very heart? Anyone? Do you know, the Spirit of God does that, doesn't he? He brings Scripture alive to us. He illuminates his word. And he is the Spirit of God as teacher and guide. You know, he will never contradict Jesus. He will never contradict the word of God. He might contradict our understanding of it, but he will never contradict the word of God. It's the Spirit that points us back to the word. And I believe reading the word, it points us to the spirit as well. And actually, as, people, as, as a charismatic church, as we strive to be spirit-filled Christians, I think we need to realize that a spirit-filled Christian is someone who loves and cherishes the word of God because that's what the spirit breathed. That's what the spirit inspired. And through being filled with the spirit, we should be pushed back to it. And from reading the word, we should realize we need the spirit. Yeah? Good. And what a reassurance it is to have the Holy Spirit who leads us in all truth. Do you know, in a way, we can know in our knower that we're saved, that we're in the truth, because the Spirit of God bears witness to it in us. He gives us that assurance. And I think as believers, do you know, we should all make room for the Holy Spirit as teacher, as discipler in our own lives. Do you know, that's why at this church we're we want to make time to do business with God, to be open to the Spirit. That's why we have prayer ministry, because we believe that we need Him to speak into our hearts. We need Him to challenge us. We need Him to empower us. We need Him to guide us. And even in our quiet times, you know, I think we should all set aside time to pray, to get closer to God. But even in those times, we can invite the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh daily. That's a daily prayer of mine. Father, fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit because we're dependent upon him, aren't we, in terms of growing in our faith with God, but also being empowered as well. So make room. Let's, let's resolve to make room for him in our worship and in our prayer lives. And finally as well, it's the Spirit that, uh, well, it's Jesus through the Spirit makes uh, available to us he makes available to us the uh, everything that was available to him as well actually the spirit equips Jesus for life and ministry and everything that the father made available to Jesus the spirit makes available for us so we're not going out undressed as Christians we're not going out naked we're not going out under our own power but everything that was made available to Jesus is available to us the power he walked in, the intimacy with his heavenly father. Do you know that's available to us as believers and corporately we, we can reflect that. We can be empowered by that and carry on the mission for which Jesus, which Jesus started 
and passed on to us. Amen? Why don't we stand up? Jan, we're we're simply just going to invite the Holy Spirit and just have a bit of time waiting and just seeing what he wants to do. So maybe it's helpful just to close your eyes and open your hands. 